Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Wednesday, December the 20th, 2017, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy here on LOA Today. And uh, it was a great early morning uh, podcast that we did, Wendy, so the bar has been set high, but I think we have a good chance of matching it this afternoon. What do you think? No pressure. Oh, no pressure. No, I, can, I can handle it. I'm competitive. <laughs> well, it's interesting you should use the word pressure because that actually ties into the topic because one of the challenges, let's say, that people deal with through the holidays is relatives. And there are some relatives that are great. We get along with them great. And there are some others that just kind of raise our hackles a little bit. You know, it gives us a little, little bit of a challenge. It's, it's like an opportunity to practice all the things we've been trying to learn about the law of attraction during the year. <laughs> so we figured, well, well you know, our, we'll, we'll our do, families we'll are just a small microcosm of the totality of all the human beings on this planet. So why should it be not challenging in a family when we know we're challenged in the big picture of all humanity? This is true. Absolutely. It goes on daily. So this is almost like the final exam. You, know? <laughs> you go through the semester, <laughs> right? This is the time of year for final exams. So <laughs> but, yeah, oh, it's one of those things that I, I, I know for years, I, well, well, actually a lot of years, I just spent, Christmas with my immediate family. That, that was a thing we did every single time. But there were a few times where I would spend Christmas with others, like especially after I met my wife, I would spend Christmas with her family. And, and um, in, in that case, there was actually an extended family kind of gathering that would get together where uh, I, I didn't even know like most of the people in the room. <laughs> so you know, that was wow. a little challenging too. Um, and, and some of those gatherings were so noisy. I mean, we're talking about packing you know, probably 25, 30 people into a house designed, you know, for four people to live in. So, Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it gets a little loud, to say the least. And, and it was actually kind of a little frustrating at first because I couldn't hear anything. You know, I, I didn't know half the people, the people who I was talking to. I, I wasn't having a good vibe with it. I could have used some of the, the tips that we're going to give today on that first Christmas. But things improved after that. <laughs> Well, you know, this is just one of my my little pet peeves, and it doesn't, like, anger me. It almost makes me laugh now. But if I go to somebody else's house for any kind of family gathering, I'm always amazed when they have the television on. Um, Isn't that Sometimes they have the news on, like CNN. Oh, yeah. And other times, you know, if it's a football holiday, they have the football game. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Or or all the pre-games or whatever. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the TV is on so loud, it's just like being at a restaurant where you're trying to talk to somebody over the sound of the loud music. Welcome to the sports bar. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I'm not a sports person, so, you know, when all the football stuff is on, it just doesn't do anything for me. But I respect the people who are sitting in front of the TV on the edge of their seat, you know, rooting for their teams. But I, But when somebody just has the news on in the background – Oh my gosh, it's like, really? You just want this on in the background 24-7 in your life? Ah, mm. Make it go away. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. In fact, uh, I remember one time, this is a, another one of the early Christmases at, uh, this is my brother-in-law's house. Um, I remember walking in, it was Christmas, 
it was actually Christmas Day that we arrived for this particular one. Sometimes it was Christmas Eve, but this one was Christmas Day, I believe. And it was bright daylight, and there was a horror movie on the big screen TV in the living room. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay. So like Bing Crosby and White Christmas, yeah, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do on Christmas. <laughs> Let's go for it. Bring me the popcorn. <laughs> No, I, I have my my uh, um, selections of what is acceptable <laughs> on television at Christmas. You can play White Christmas. It could be um, um, like Charlie Brown Christmas or the Scrooge. Not Scrooge. Um, yeah, Scrooge is one of them. The Christmas Carol. Any of the good classics. Those to me are fun to have in the background. Oh, sure. You know, I, but and I, have I to don't give Joyce... get it when it's non-Christmassy stuff. <laughs> Well, I have to give Joyce credit. Joyce is Paul's wife, and I have to Joyce, give Joyce credit because as soon as she walked in the room, she said, what's that doing on? Turn that thing off. <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> but, you know, that kind of brings us to the point that every family, every individual has kind of their own tradition and their own way of what makes them feel good. You know, and sure. holidays, when we get together with extended family, this is where we come into the blending of so many people's different rules and expectations of how you're supposed to do a holiday gathering. Mm -hmm. And yep. uh, so it's not any surprise that there are uh, differences of opinions. To say the least, yes. To um, say the least. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it, it can actually be quite challenging at times <laughs> how big the differences of opinions could be including in situations where you don't want to have any kind of opinion at all and all of a sudden your opinion is on the floor because you're being it's being dragged out of you practically like what are we here for i thought this is christmas <laughs> <laughs> and why am i even answering you <laughs> I, I just happened to be on the phone yesterday with my younger sister and we were talking about our christmas plans for this coming weekend and um, out of the blue, I thought this was so funny. She says, you know, I was talking to one of my coworkers today, and she was telling about all the drama that she's expecting, you know, for her family Christmas. And I said, yeah. And she goes, so it makes me think it's not just our family. <laughs> 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 and I let I said, did you really think our family was the only one that had drama and she said yeah i think i did wow and i'm like oh my goodness i said probably i don't even know how long ago i came to the awareness that like my family's not extra special dramatic and crazy every family has an element of this oh of course yeah you know and uh so it's like i i don't i don't have an issue with you know oh my god it's another holiday um you know our family is who our family is it's like and a I quote love that all the all the members of my family, but there are certain dynamics within my family that are a little bit more challenging. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's like a quote that uh, Cindy read today during our discussion about giving energy as a gift. Um, she said that it, uh, and I'm probably going to misquote this, but it was out of the article. Um, Show me a family that does not have some sort of dysfunctionality, some sort of you know contentious behaviors and so forth, and I'll show you a family that only exists on TV. Well said. <laughs> and I only countered by saying, well, I don't know, all the families I've seen on TV look pretty dysfunctional, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I love to watch certain sitcoms, you know, that cause me to feel good. And I noticed that the typical um, storyline for a sitcom is create some kind of dysfunction, 
but then by the end, everybody has somehow resolved and come together, and they sing their, you know, Oh Holy Night song or whatever their their Christmas version of, you know, Kumbaya is, <laughs> and then everybody <laughs> kind of comes together, and it's a happy ending. Of course, I love that's that. why I like to that's why I like to watch those because they do have happy endings. And yes. That's probably what that quote is really about. <laughs> yes, I, I think you're you're absolutely right about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's still funny. You know, I mean, have you ever had, you know, family holidays where you left being angry, frustrated, or wanted to shoot the people that, like, you were part of the family? Or have you oh, yeah. always had a family group that was nice? Oh, heavens no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, there there have been the whole gamut of possible ranges of, of emotional expression in the, the family holidays that I can think of going back over the decades. I mean, everything mm-hmm. from fights to sheer joy to love to excitement to being depressed to being bored. I mean, you just name it. Any possible emotional expression has been found in our family Christmases over the years. Yeah, I think when you named each one of those emotions, I'm like, yep, well, I've done that, check. yep, I've done that, check. yep, we've had that, check. <laughs> Not exactly the ideal bucket list, but still. <laughs> <laughs> like this year, um, we're going to do ours on Christmas Day in the daytime, and it'll be like the first time, I think, ever as grown adults that one of my sisters who will join us, because she works in retail, will actually be awake and present. Because normally she's come either after a very full day and week and she's exhausted and she mm. falls asleep right after dinner. Right. Or she has to leave early because she has to get into retail that night or early the next morning. Yeah. And so I said to her, I went, oh, my gosh, I think you might actually be able to stay awake this time. She goes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that reminds me. I mentioned Joyce. Joyce is um, my brother-in-law's wife. And uh, she's a registered nurse, so she's had holidays that she's missed entirely because she's had to work shifts at the hospital. And, wow. uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's when you really start to appreciate what people who have certain kinds of jobs go through, um, what, mm-hmm. what happens around the holidays, because, I mean, there have been times she just had to miss entirely what happened on Christmas Day with her kids and so forth. That, that's, that's pretty rough. It so, is. You know, when I was younger, um, our whole family, you know, would be present. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that as kids grow up, that's when dynamics begin to shift oh, yeah. how the family holidays occur mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and more concessions need to be made. Mm-hmm. And really how we choose to feel about something or the meaning we give to it, you know, the changes, I think really helps to, de- to determine our ability to go into it either with joy or with sorrow, mm-hmm. yes. you know, or regret, or anger, or frustration, um, because I know that for me, when I used to work retail, you know, things kind of worked around my schedule, or I'd get, the, I'd have to miss the beginning because I got there late. Mm. And, um, you know, I know, like I've had one sister who, if we did it at her house, she had a rule about, you know, she was going to start cooking or serving dinner usually within five to ten minutes after everybody arrived. Mm. So you better not be late. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I have a brother who lived, him and his family, they live three hours away. Ooh. And his, his business always revolved around holidays, and so he did a lot of business then. 
And so, needless to say, they never got on the road at the time they had planned for. Yeah. Mm. And so, when he and his family would show up an hour and a half or two hours after the start time, oh my gosh, my my sister who had cooked was just livid mm. because that was so unacceptable. And you know, I look at this now kind of joking or laughingly because this would not be how I look at things any longer. Mm-hmm. But. She would spin the, oh, my God, this is so disrespectful, and I can't believe he hasn't even called or texted, and, you know, where are they, and, you know, I can't hold dinner for them forever. (laughs) And, of course, that was her plight. Right. But then she drew everybody who was present into it, and so we're now talking about, you know, my brother is like the beast. You know, how horrible he is because he wasn't there on time, and he's ruining Christmas for everybody, and... You know, I look at that today and I just kind of go, really? That's how we decided that we were going to spend Christmas. Mm. Huh. It's interesting. And, I mean, Christmas after Christmas, we were all, then we started taking bets on how late their family yeah. was going to be. <laughs> and then it was, if he doesn't show up by such and such time, I'm just going to text him and say, stop at McDonald's because there's no food <laughs> yeah, for right. you. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's interesting how we build these preconceptions, and we don't realize necessarily that we're building them up, but we can actually set ourselves up for crisis on a regular basis, and Christmas holidays are the perfect time. They're they're like the microcosm to show just how good we are doing this kind of thing, because we all get to do it together. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and the thing I was, uh, you and I were talking pre-show, um, that I had just heard Abraham say on a CD, which I thought, ooh, this is really good, especially Mm. going into holiday time, is they were saying whenever you go into any kind of meeting, and that could be a family gathering, it could be a a job meeting with coworkers, whatever it is, who you are personally is who you bring into that meeting. And you have the ability to influence the energy in that room. Oh, so true. So and, true. But here's the interesting thing. If, let's say, I'll just use me as an example. If I go into my Christmas gathering and just wonder what everyone's going to be like, but I don't spend the time to prepare myself and who I want to be, then I can go in and just be um, swayed by everybody else's mood or opinion or, or you know, whatever they bring to the table, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I could end up being frustrated or, you know, or happy or whatever based on the other people in the room. Right, yeah, which is probably what but, most people do. Absolutely. It's certainly what I did for years. I mean, when I went to the sister's house who had this rule around you show up ready to eat and you better be here at a certain time, I knew her rules and I played according to her rules. So I was always there early so I could never be late. Yeah, right. And then I would be one of those that she would look fondly upon because I didn't screw up her her Christmas dinner and the timing. As if you were responsible Um, for it, right? (laughs) Say that again? As if you were responsible for that. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I know I'm not, but I didn't want to get in her ugly graces. Yeah, no, I um, But back in those days, I didn't think about what my personal influence could be in the room. I just thought, you know, because I was expect. well, where I was at the time, I wasn't taking full responsibility for 
what I created. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking at what everybody else brought to the table. Mm. Well, that has since changed in my world because I know I'm, I am absolutely responsible for what happens in a room um, because I know that who I show up as makes a difference. This is true. And so when I go into a family gathering knowing I'm happy, my intention is to remain happy, and I want to be the calming factor in the room. And I want conversation to go in a way that is pleasant and comfortable. And I really spend some time thinking on that in advance. Mm-hmm, sure. And and sometimes I have felt guided to do this, where I remember calling one of my sisters, the, um, not the one with the rigid rules, but the other one. <laughs> the other <laughs> <And> one. <laughs> I said, okay, we already know there's a family drama between this brother and this sister. And I said, you know what? I would really love it if we never brought up that conversation. I don't want that drawn into my Christmas gathering at my house, and I don't think we want to feel the tension that goes with that conversation anyway. And she went, you're right. Okay. And so what felt good is we had an agreement up front that we were not going to initiate any of that family drama. And if the family drama started to be brought up in conversation, she and I would do whatever we felt comfortable to just kind of turn the conversation away from that. In other and words, you I'll can... tell you, that particular Christmas when we had set that plan in place, yeah. that conversation about that particular family dynamic that was not good never came up. Yes. And that was amongst like 12 or 14 of us. That's amazing how often that happens. And, and that's what I was wondering if you were leading up to. Because what I was going to say is you committed the heresy of insisting on not buying into the drama. And when mm-hmm. you do that, when, when somebody does that who has, especially if you previously have bought into the drama, when you change your MO and you don't buy into it anymore, you change the atmosphere in the room just by not behaving the way you used to behave before. You bring a new feeling, exactly. a, a new spirit into the room. And when that happens, all of a sudden, all the rules are like on hold because like, well, wait a minute, there's a new thing going on here. How do I handle this new dynamic? And so it never comes up. It just didn't get, doesn't mm-hmm. get a chance to, to work its way in. I mean, the, the, the players who are the main players would actually have to work really hard to bring it up now because the old dynamic is gone. And, you know, when we're living our lives on a daily basis and we're just working with ourselves, let's say we're at our job and we're be- behind a computer and it's just you and your computer, mm-hmm. if something happens or if a coworker calls – it's so much easier to make an adjustment when you're dealing with one person. Oh, sure, yeah. Or even two people. But you know, there's, but when the family holiday scenario shows up, we're always dealing with multiple people coming with multiple different points of view, and that's where potential drama or non-drama can ensue. That's right. So my, I'm all about setting the intention, knowing who you want to be when you show up, and letting yourself shine. I, I discovered because something one Christmas that really fits into that nicely, although I can't say I, I figured it out ahead of time. I just sort of did it, uh, I won't say on a whim. Maybe I was being guided to. I'm not sure. But I, I did it without giving a lot of thought to it. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. It was one of those Christmases. It wasn't 20 to 25 people, but there were a fair number of people in the house. It was, it was loud. It was noisy. It was the usual kind of stuff. And I decided I just didn't really want to be in that anymore. So I looked around to see what part of the house had the fewest people in it, and I went to it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, just that to, was smart. 
just to get away from the noise, you know. And it, it, at that mm-hmm. point in time, it happened to be the living room, so I went into the living room, sat down. I think actually, I don't think there was anybody else in there, but as soon as I sat down, somebody else came in, and they sat down, and we were just kind of doing our own things. Where we weren't even engaging. Then another person came in, and none of us were engaging. We were just kind of doing our own thing. And then somebody said something to the effect of, wow, it's a lot quieter in here. (laughs) (laughs) And the really funny thing is, from that point on, everybody who came into the room who had been involved in some sort of drama in one of the other rooms, you could hear it, the drama went away. Because the mood in our room was a different mood. It was a different feel. Mm. And the drama just didn't fit. Totally unexpected result. I didn't expect that that was going to happen. I just got out of there because I didn't want to be near the the drama anymore. Little did I know that was kind of leading the way into here's an alternative way for us to have a Christmas party together. And are you saying that people who were in the drama conversations now somehow filtered their way into the room where you were? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It took a while. They were still, you know, it takes a while to play out those dramas. <laughs> they don't right, they don't play right. out immediately, right? But eventually they played it out. And I think there was one pair, and I don't remember who it was, who did come in and they were kind of carrying on the argument slash discussion that had gone on in the other room. It just kind of died out when it got into the living room. <laughs> wow. Because you it know, just didn't I'm fit. The kind you know? of, I, in my family... I'm more bold and more brash than I am in the things that I say on the air. Oh, really? And I would be, it would not be uh, above me or beneath me that if somebody walked into my space with their drama, I'd say, I'm sorry, this is the no drama zone. Leave your drama drama at the door and then you may enter. (laughs) (laughs) I like that, though. That's good. I like that a lot. I may even now, use that this year. I tend to do that more energetically <laughs> with the internal intentions that I do inside my mind. I don't always have to say those words. But you know what? Sometimes I think it could even be funny to say, if I think it would create a, a, you know, a laughter moment, mm-hmm. I would say it. Oh, yeah. That's why, why I use it. That's why I like that, because that is a good laughter moment. That's the kind that breaks the ice and everybody goes chuckle, chuckle, and they all relax a bit. And yeah, I like that. I mean, people who are really fastidious about their carpets and they require that you take off your shoes, you know, it, it would not be, you know, beneath them at all when you start to walk into their threshold for them to go, whoa, stop, please take off your shoes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I can do that with energetic stuff and go, whoa, stop, leave your drama outside the room. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's really good. I like it. I'm going to use that. And by the way, if, if, if you like what you're hearing here, we want you to use it too. In fact, uh, take a moment and just uh, send out a social media message. Tell people you're listening to LOA Today and they've got some interesting tips on how to deal with those relatives, those challenging relatives, because we want to spread the word. Or, so, come, or come and join the conversation. Um, if you like, want to call in, sure. you could call in at 860-264-5432. Or you can even join us by Skype. And Walt, do you want to give the the username on Skype? Yeah, it's a weird username, but uh, the, the username is Libertarian TV. And uh, yes, it sounds like a, an older project. It was an older project. It was about 15 years ago, <laughs> but it's still the idea, and it works. It gets through. So feel free to use that too. Sure, we would love to hear from you, and and maybe you have a good story along the same line that you could tell us about uh, that crazy Christmas where Uncle Joe did such and such. <laughs> So I know that how I'm kind of already starting to uh, energetically plan for my Christmas gathering. Um, 
part of the family already has determined that they're not going to attend. Mm. Okay. In the okay. past, that would have been a horror, and now I'm like, hmm, that could actually be better because that was part <laughs> of the drama. Oh, okay. Um, I just put some Christmas cards with my Christmas gift, which was cash, you know, in the mail today to a couple of my family members that I don't think they're coming. Oh, okay. And they may change their mind at the last minute, but I figure better that they already have their gifts than not have them in time. Sure. Um, let's see. Of those who are attending, I know that in one case, um, we have a new person who's going to adjust our dynamics. My niece is now engaged. Oh, how nice. And her fiancé is going to be coming and joining us. Uh-huh. And she she asked me a few weeks ago, you know, was he welcome to come to Christmas? I said, well, of course. He's our new family member. And I said, I welcome him in. He's absolutely welcome to join us. Um, and so she's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> but apparently her dad is not so thrilled with the fact that his little girl is getting married. Oh, dear. Okay. So my brother is not being very warm and welcoming of her new fiancé, even though the two of them have grown up together and my brother has known this young kid forever. Really? Um, yeah. I was told that at Thanksgiving time when their family was together that uh, – once my brother got his plate of food, he left the table so he wouldn't have to converse with our new fiancé. Wow. So okay. my little sister and I were talking about, okay, you know, we have several ways we can uh, orchestrate our table settings. You know, we have, I think, ten of us are going to be here at my house for mm-hmm. Christmas. Okay. And I said, well, we could either do it where everyone does a buffet style and they can sit in the dining room, the kitchen, or the living room. Or I could set two different tables, one in the dining room or one in the kitchen. Or I can just pack a whole bunch of chairs because I have a huge dining room table and we can fit ten. I said, we can put all ten of us there. And my little sister said, yeah, I think we ought to force the issue. And I'm like, okay, force is not my word, but I'm the hostess. And if I choose that we're all going to sit in the dining room, I think my brother would be in a really awkward position in front of everybody to get up and leave yes so my hope and i don't say this out of force at all but my hope is that being at my house where it's kind of neutral territory becomes the bridge for him to start recognizing that this young man is going to be part of our family Mm -hmm. and probably for a very long time because my my young niece has a very much once married, always married philosophy. Uh-huh, okay. And it's like, I want there to be harmony in our family, and I want this young man to come in feeling welcome and not, you know, sorry, you're intruding. So my intention, and I'm saying it out loud, and I'm saying it for other people to hopefully join me in this intention, is that my brother will begin to see this young man as a friend and someone to work with and not against. Sure. And so that's the intention for my Christmas. I think it's a great intention. I think it has every chance of being successful, particularly since you've already been talking to uh, your other siblings and so forth and and kind Mm -hmm. of lining everybody up in in advance or everybody who you feel like like you can line up in advance. Um, Because if everybody walks into that room with that same kind of attitude, oh, I'd be surprised if it didn't work out. (laughs) I would be shocked, actually. Well, thank you. I like how you said that. I would yeah. be surprised if it doesn't work out, too. <laughs> I, I mean, really, that you, you've, you've set it up beautifully. And, you know, if, if, if you're 
um, you said it's your brother? Who, I, who, who is it? I'm not clear who it is. Yeah, it's my brother that's having a hard time brother, with okay. his, his daughter getting married. Right, okay. So if your brother decides to, to have a hissy fit, he's going to have to really work hard to do it in that atmosphere. That's what I'm thinking. And, you know, as I mentally picture the dining room filled with all ten of us sitting there, it's it's kind of a, a long dining room that, like, goes up against a wall. Like, it's walled in on three sides. Mm-hmm. And then it's open at, like, the end of the dining table. Mm-hmm. And I keep picturing my brother sitting at the end of the table where he's surrounded by three walls, mm-hmm. which is the placement that it's really hard to get up and move out. <laughs> I could just see, <laughs> I could sense that from the way you were describing it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I just keep picturing that when everybody starts to, you know, get their plates and, and go sit down, that that's where he will sit. He'll sit at the end where he kind of has to stay there. And that he's going to choose to Unless he does something there. that's really abrupt and, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, you know, and bumps over people in order to get past everyone. So, and you're not going to try to make him sit there. You're, you're just putting out the energy. No. You think he's going to want to sit there. Absolutely. And that it would be more uncomfortable for him to get up and move than it would be for him to just stay where he is. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, obviously with that kind of geography, that kind of goes with it. The, the, the really yeah. fun thing is that when people make choices like that to to sit in that chair, they very often don't think about the fact that they're setting themselves up so that they can't leave. <laughs> that's not mm-hmm. the that's not the first thought that goes through your mind, you know. Well, it might go through my mind, but most people, that's not what the, what goes through their mind. You know, they're thinking about well, you know, who am I going to be sitting next well, to? Where's the conversation? How close am I to the wine? Whatever, you know. <laughs> well, now they, I just thought of something that really made me giggle inside. Um, Even though I don't use sarcastic humor anymore because I don't like the sarcasm and Mm -hmm. I don't like that there's oftentimes truth in jest. And I grew up with that kind of humor, and I grew up with people cutting each other down and then laughing. But it it really hurts. Oh, yeah. So that's not what I do. But what came to me was our family dynamic is so used to sarcastic humor that it could actually be used – um, as leverage. So I'm thinking, if by chance my brother takes the other position and sits at the other end of the table and decides to leave, I could see other members of my family and or including me saying something like, hey, what's wrong with us? Come sit with us. <laughs> you know, and just kind of like baiting him into returning, not against his will, but where we've made him like the center of attention that he's like leaving. Now, I think what actually and, happens is he, he gets seated at the table, and on a subconscious level, he may, he may not even be aware that all this is happening, but on a subconscious level, he just realizes that this is not what the old dynamic used to be. It's just not there. And so now his entire experience is dealing with that new dynamic. So I don't even think it becomes that, an issue. I really don't. I mean, I, I, I don't know your family I, members, first, so I can't say for sure. I like to think sure, through but... all the possible options just to know they're available to me. Okay. You know, just and be careful. Be I careful think what the you first one I suggested <laughs> is the one that that's the one I'm really um, focused on most mm-hmm. and kind of fantasizing about that it will just be a really ease-filled meal together. Yeah. That's the better place um, to be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I can, uh, like, my girlfriend is going to join us, and so... Like, there's about three of us that really don't know this fiancé well at all. Mm. 
and the three of us are the kind of women who like we like to ask questions and i can see us kind of asking the fiance questions to kind of draw him out so to give him a sense of comfort right but it could also be a way for my brother to just kind of sit in the background and listen. Sure. Oh, yeah. And watch. Exactly. And because, realize, hey, this is a nice guy. Well, not only that, I mean, regardless of whether he decides that it's a nice guy, because what you said is he knows him anyway, more importantly, with three of you trying to learn who this guy is, trying to ask him questions and find out more about him and so forth, your brother, unless he's a really extroverted person, is going to have a hard time getting something in edgewise to turn the conversation around. I mean, that, that's a lot well, of momentum to overcome. This is, and he is one of those big, powerful, um, extroverted guys. My oh, brother he is. is. Okay. However, I've seen when different people show up um, at family functions, I've seen him go from monopolizing conversation to being quiet as a church mouse. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. That's not typical extroverted, so, but that's interesting. Yeah. So I know that dynamics play a huge role in how everything goes down. Oh, yeah. Um, and I like to think because I set such a powerful intention that my intention will sway the direction that the energy plays out that day. I think so. In fact, if your other sisters, the three of you who are the ones who don't know um, the new member of the family so well, if, if all three of you are kind of like you in the sense that uh, they're upbeat. They, they are, their questions are, are positive. They aren't cutting questions. They're, you know, they're really genuinely wanting to get to know and so forth. That's going to set up a positive mood. I don't care how you slice uh, that. Well, That's going to set a positive. I mood. agree. And my girlfriend has never been part of my family gathering, and so she's never met my brother and my sister-in-law. She's met some of the other people who are going to be there. Mm -hmm. But see, she she brings in a neutral dynamic mm -hmm. because she's not family per se. But she will be there, and she is staying with me right now. So she kind of her energy is is throughout my house. Yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't have a horse in the race, so it's not like she's going to automatically line up on one side or the other if the dysfunctionality mm -hmm. were to come out. So yeah, that's one more um, influence, shall we say, that just yeah. sets that mood. I, I think that mood's going to set as as soon as people start walking in the door. I think it's going to happen that quickly. It'll be nice. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> but it does show how important it is to understand that there are options available when it comes to dealing with, you know, challenging family members. You don't have to walk into the room assuming that it's going to be the same old, same old. In fact, you're better off not walking into the room assuming that it's going to be the same old, same old, with one exception. And that is if the same old, same old is always wonderful. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If you really like it, Say, I want more of this. <laughs> yeah. If that's the case, then woohoo for you. <laughs> that's like the best possible scenario. But anything else, you don't have to buy into that. You can just walk in with a new belief that everything's going to work differently. You can, you can paint a picture in your mind, in your conversations about how you would rather have it go. And the universe is going to find some way to bring many of those influences into what happens in the actual dynamic. Particularly since most people do not understand how the law of attraction works, have no clue how to apply it, so they're just living by default constantly. Anybody who comes in with intention is going to be way ahead of the game on that. You know, that reminds me, when I was you know, young um, and my grandparents were still alive and we would have Christmas and all the big holidays at my Nana's house, um, I was completely oblivious to any of the adult drama because – 
my thought as a child was, yay, I'm going to get presents. Yeah, right. <laughs> and B, I'm going to get to see my cousins who I really only see on major holidays. Sure, yeah. And my cousin was one year older than me, and she and I were like best friends. Oh, good. And then I had another one that was a couple years older. So I couldn't wait to see them. That to me was just a bonus. I get to see the, the relatives that I love, and we're getting presents. Um, and it wasn't until I was like probably in high school or a little bit older that my mother would share with me the adult drama that was actually transpiring while me and my cousin were off in Nana's bedroom with the door closed and going, no, 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 and just talking and having fun mm-hmm. and playing Barbies and whatever else we came, you know, right. play with. Right. And it was just like, wow, she's talking about something where even though I was present, it felt like she was talking about someone else's family because I wasn't at all energetically involved in, in the adult drama that took place between my mother and all the other adults in my family, mm-hmm. you know, and I kind of think like now because I do understand law of attraction and I utilize the law of attraction whenever I can, um, it's like I want to go back to those days, but now as an adult, where I can walk into the room oblivious of anybody else's agendas or drama because I'm there to have fun with the relatives that I only get to see on major holidays and I get presents. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, and so there's something to be said for that childhood innocence when you don't know what you don't yet know. Well, that's true. And when you said that, it reminded me of a phenomenon. I don't know if the phenomenon still exists. It may. I I really have no idea. But when I was growing up, there were two tables. There was the adult's table and there was the kid's table. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if that still holds true or not. Maybe that uh, has kind of gone by the wayside, which may or may not be a good thing. And and the reason I say that, you'll will become a parent in a moment because I remember being at the kid's table for you know many years and wondering when I was going to get to be at the adult's table. And sometime in my teens, of course, that transition happened, and so I ended up at the adult table. And the first time I was there, the thing I wanted more than anything else was to go back to the kid's table (laughs) because that table (laughs) was a mess. I mean, it was just an emotional mess. Like, why on earth does anybody want to sit at this table? I remember when I transitioned from the kid's table to the adult's table, and I would sit next to my nana, and I just listened to all of these adults talking about all sorts of stuff, and it was drama. And I stayed really quiet, but I went, I'm being privy to all sorts of information (laughs) that I never knew about when I was sitting over there at the kids' table. (laughs) And I was fascinated by it, which... Knowing who I have grown up into and my fascination with psychology and understanding what makes people tick and whatever, I think it was the first time I got really inside the psychology of my family because mm. I saw things and heard things that I was not privy to prior to that. Sure, yeah. I, I know that in my I case... I see it as bad. I was like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know in my case, I was just perplexed. I that was one of the reasons I think I wanted to consider going back to the kids table because it it was it was the drama in my family was weird. It wasn't your typical, you know, drama. There weren't a lot of loud personalities or anything like that. It was quiet drama, but it was drama for sure. And it was huh. it had a sarcastic aspect to it, but not too much of that because it was it was a fairly religious family, um Protestant, 
kind of religion, so it, it, it was Presbyterian. And, and if you know anything about Presbyterians, Presbyterians are, they're, they're like among the more uh, innovative of the churches, but their innovations stopped about 200 years ago. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's like they they're kind of locked in time, and they 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 achieved their 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 um, equilibrium and said, okay, we're done. We're not doing anything more. This is the way it's going to be for the rest of time. <laughs> so, like, there was an expiration on innovation. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> it's like you know, it's, growth came to a halt. <laughs> gotcha. But, so, so that kind of translated into the into the family dynamic as well. So, you wouldn't hear fights per se. You'd occasionally hear fights. What you would hear was subtle diplomatic disagreement, <laughs> which is which is a really strange thing. And I'm sitting there as a 12, 13, 14-year-old watching it and probably with my, my mouth agape and with my eyes open wide trying to make sense of all this stuff and at the end of the day asking myself, this is what I'm growing into? <laughs> What, oh, is, no. what is going on here? I don't even know what to do with this information. Wow. It was crazy. It was really crazy. Of course, that's about the same time that I also um, read the Bible cover to cover. And within about a month of that, left the church. <laughs> but did you ever bring up any of that conversation? Oh, you don't dare bring family? that up. Absolutely not. You don't. I mean, oh. they, they would try to dredge it out of me. And I was doing the bathroom dance as much as I could in order to try to avoid it, if you know what I mean. I mean, I was squirming all over the place because I just didn't want to say what I really believed because that would have been heresy. That would not have gone down well. And actually, when I finally did do that with my own parents, that was a little bit of a trauma, too. They eventually settled in and, and relaxed to it. But at first, it was like I was threatening their existence, especially mm. with my dad. It was just, I mean, he, he, he got real quiet, real quiet. And my dad was a very gregarious man. So that gives you an idea. But it, it, Isn't it, it fascinating that something like um, a religious belief oh, yeah. can just com so upset another individual or entire family unit? Well, I was upset because I had been led to believe certain things based on, I mean, I went through the whole rigmarole. I, was, I went through the, the Sunday school. I went through the First Communion, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I had become a communicant member of the church. And by the time I became a communicant member... I was in the middle of reading the Bible, and I finished it, and I said to myself, I can't do this. I, I, I mean, it, this just doesn't ring true for me. And now, I was it that the religion didn't match the Bible, or the Bible didn't match the religion, or what? Well, I don't want to get too much into it, because that starts to feel negative, but um, the gist of it was, oh, geez, was there a gist of it? The gist of it was that what I was taught was not always in alignment with what I read. And what I was taught and what I read when they were in alignment was still kind of crazy. Like, let, let me give you an example. In, in, okay. uh, in the, uh, the various liturgies you use in the church services, um, there are certain things you, you say, there's like the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer and you know, various things like that. And a lot of them have expressions of joy in them. And they are never read with joy. 
You never hear people, you have to go to like a black Baptist church to hear the joy. Yeah, dance around, have a good time. <laughs> you don't see that. <laughs> right. This is not what happens in a Presbyterian church. Let me tell you, it's very low key stuff. And so you hear, you know, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the land. And people are doing this in monotone. And I'm thinking, what wow. on earth does this mean? It was such wow. a dysfunction in my mind. And, and, me as a 14 year old trying to voice that and defend it against people who had basically immersed themselves in it for life forget it there was absolutely no way i was going to do that just not going to happen you know well that is just such an interesting thing or aspect that you picked up of the incongruence on how people use the words that are filled with joy and yet how they expressed it was not filled with joy. It was directly the opposite. I mean, I think that's a fascinating thing for a young boy to uncover. Well, fascinating is one word. <laughs> Traumatic is another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I had my um, incongruencies that I found, but i got to say, that's one that I never really articulated. I probably noticed it, but not in a way that I went, wow. How come they're not expressing this, them the same? But probably because of the religious background I grew up in, it was very gregarious, and it wasn't Black Baptist, but it was uh, charismatic. Oh, okay. I mean, it was called the charismatic movement, so right. it was very progressive, and it was lots of shouting uh, positive things, and right. you know, it, it was a bit, it was a big display of lots of stuff that was emotional in a positive way, and um, lots of huge expression. But for me, the incongruency I found was the people that were being so gregarious in the church environment were the ones that were so backbiting and stabbing outside of the church. <laughs> that, that always got me. I never quite understood and that And that's the part that I went, okay, I think that's called hypocrisy. <laughs> you know, hypocrisy was like a really big word for me because uh, I didn't know the word congruence back then, but I understood hypocrisy. <laughs> Which is a fascinating subject, but I think we've kind of gotten off the topic a little bit. I really didn't want to get into religion at all. <laughs> but it does go to oh, point to one very important thing. But wait a minute, isn't thing. Christmas based around a religious concept? Well, it's true, it is. It, it, and, and I suppose maybe when we're talking about how you deal with you know, troublesome relatives, you should be taking, to, taking that into account. I, I'm just not quite sure how to juxtapose it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and see, some of my family... Um, because of their religious beliefs, you know, they will definitely be going to, you know, church to celebrate the birth of Christ, and it's very much a part of um, how they celebrate Christmas. And I, ironically, I was just thinking this morning, you know, I was thinking about everybody sitting around my table, and I thought, ooh, the part of the family that's really religious, where we always say, hey, so-and-so, you know, my brother-in-law, would you please say please say grace i went he won't be here <laughs> and so i'm like so will the rest of rest of us heathen be okay with no grace and i thought well i will be you know <laughs> but i really i did have the thought this morning i wonder if somebody will just think the thought and i wonder if somebody would say hey why don't you say grace and i'm like who would say it i can't think of anybody in my family that might consider saying it isn't that funny 
It, it, well, it's also quite different from my experience because that was one thing my father in particular made sure we all did. He At various times throughout you know, the year at, at family dinner, each one of us would get the opportunity to say grace. So it was not out of the norm for me to know that a lot of people could say grace. But I can see if you have one particular pattern, that could be a little disconcerting. Well, we kind of, I mean, when when that family, you know, because we, we're, my family is made up of multiple families now that we're grown and married and have children, whatever. Sure. When that family isn't present, it leaves a vacuum where grace was always handled by them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if somebody asked me to say grace, I could do that. It wouldn't sound the way it did many years ago when I used to say grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd make it up on the spot because yeah. I can do that. But, yeah, we'll probably just kind of go, okay, dig in. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, if you say grace, you know that grace comes before people lift their fork. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, also, so. with, with my wife and I, we have the extra dynamic that my wife, her, her father was Jewish and her mother was Baptist. And okay. so she really grew up with no religious training, well, little religious training one way or another. She did, did get a little bit of time in Hebrew school, and she also got a little time in church school, but it it was never really pushed one way or another because of that family dynamic. Um, in fact, she found out, much to her surprise, her, her mother um, actually had a stroke when she was 15 and died when she was 21. And so that was, a, you know, obviously a pretty big event in her life. But after mm-hmm. she died, she, Louise found out that her mother had been given communion once a month by a local minister who had come by every month to give her private services. And no one in like the family... Like as a grown adult, this was happening for her? The, the, well, this was while my, my wife was in her teens and, and into her early 20s when this was happening. And, and her mother was, was getting these monthly visits. But nobody in the wow. family knew about it. The first she heard about it was when she was at her mother's funeral and somebody made mention about the fact that this minister had been coming by to visit every month. And she said, really? When? <laughs> wow. So now it was a very, very different dynamic because the religion was, was about as far away from it as you could get, you know? Doesn't hmm. mean that, that doesn't mean that the family dynamic was, was any better. It just, it just means it was different from a religious perspective. <laughs> well, in, in my family, my dad was Jewish, my mom, I think, was Lutheran, but then later mom converted to being a charismatic Christian. My dad got saved at a Jews for Jesus rally. <laughs> okay. And then he, he became a charismatic Christian, um, but his parents were like, how dare you do that because we're Jews. Oh, yeah. Even though they were really atheists because they didn't practice anything. <laughs> Or agnostic, I don't know the difference. My grandma, bless her heart, she didn't practice a single Jewish anything tradition, but heaven help anybody say anything negative about the Jews, mm. and she was all over them. Oh, sure, yeah. And it's, it's, I think it was probably in junior high, and I'm like, Grandma, why does that upset you so much? Because you don't go to synagogue, and you don't do anything religious. And I think it was probably the first time ever I shut up my grandma because she didn't know what to say to that that childlike, you know, curiosity. Like, I don't get it. (laughs) But here's a funny story. When I was in, um, um, it was my first year out of high school, and I decided to take a year off because I worked so hard in high school. And I was working, and I worked in a retail store um, uh, at a fabric store. And 
for whatever reason, we stayed open until like 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And we always did Christmas Eve with one part of our family. And so I got there a little bit late. But this was the one time of year, and my family was not an alcohol drinking family at all, but it was the one time a year we would have alcohol, and it was always Mogan David Concord Grape Wine, which now that I was 19, I was old enough to drink. Mm -hmm. And so my parents were okay with me drinking the wine, and I had not eaten all day. I was (laughs) starved, and I couldn't wait until we got to the dinner. But they wanted to talk and drink some wine, and I'm like, oh, my God, let's get on with it. Let's eat already. And um, so I had a glass of wine. Well, to me, this is literally the first alcohol I had ever tasted. Well, no, I take it back. I tasted some before, but I didn't like it much. So I'm drinking this Mocha Dag, the Concord grape wine, which it was the first time I ever had that. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of tasted like a, well, now I could say fermented grape. Right. But it really tasted more like grape juice to me with a little tang to it. Yeah, that's a little dangerous. And I love okay. grape I love grape juice. <laughs> So, I can see where I this is going. My, <laughs> I drink my glass, and Mom won't let me, like, snack on anything, and I'm hungry. Oh, my But goodness. yet the wine was available oh, to me, no. so I went back and I got a second glass of wine. <laughs> and so I remember sitting around. I was laying on my stomach on the floor, which is how all us kids were, you know, while we're listening to the adults have conversation. And by my midway through my second glass, I started to notice the room was getting a little lopsided. <laughs> And my eyes were starting to kind of cross. And I had this really freaky awareness. Oh, my God, I think I'm getting drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Not realizing you were long past that point. (laughs) I I know, but I was, like, really freaking out. And I'm like, this is what drunk feels like. Oh, my God. I can't let anybody know because that's horrifying. (laughs) And so in the quietness of my own beingness, I just endured through this feeling of my head just going upside down and inside out and all this stuff until finally we got to eat. I can't tell you how relieved I was to finally be able to eat because then the the food was absorbing the alcohol and the the drunk feeling started to fade away. But, yes, I got drunk at, at my Christmas Eve family festivities in the presence of my family because they said alcohol was okay, but food wasn't. <laughs> And obviously I was never taught at that point anything about what alcohol really does to your body because I'd never experienced it. So Apparently that's not, my silly no. story for <laughs> oh. my, even to this day I've never told my parents that I got drunk. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> oh, that, that was just But I did. Oh, that that's classic. They'll be denied food while you got your first alcohol in your system. I mean, the the, Bro, the thought that goes was, to my mind I is I was allowed that, drink but no food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the thought that goes to my mind is so your parents they did have full mental capacity, right? <laughs> <laughs> they, they did, and they barely drank. I mean, they probably each had like a, a half a glass oh, of wine. Oh, that's why. That's why. So they assumed you would do the same. Okay. Well, okay. Because I, can kind they, of buy I mean, that. my family just—I did not come from a family of drinkers. Okay. All I right. mean, they didn't even drink beer ever, and so we never even had wine in a refrigerator except for once a year when Dad would go and buy this Mogan David Concord grape wine. <laughs> Yeah, we were, we were very so non-alcoholic, They didn't even too. notice that I had two full glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do bet, though, that you ate dinner very quickly. I did, and I was so relieved. <laughs> <laughs> 
And you know what? That's an interesting way to avoid all the crazy family dynamics, but it's not the most recommended one. <laughs> Probably not. No. <laughs> Probably not. I can't say I remember anything else about that particular Christmas <laughs> Eve, but that one does stand out in my mind for that reason. <laughs> So, so the good part was there were there were no uh, you know tugs of war that you had to be concerned about. It's just not the ideal way to go about doing it. But uh, certainly, if you can do it with two glasses of wine, then setting the attention is going to be not only a whole lot easier, but I would think a whole lot more effective. <laughs> it was probably one of the um, experiences in my life that has led me to be a non-drinker. Oh, really? And I have. I have zero judgment about other people who do, you know, like to drink wine or drink, drink any kind of alcohol, but that was a very negative experience for me. Mm, yeah. And so yeah. that's, like, anchored in my body as, like, ooh, bad, that's very bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, and wine is a good way to learn it because when, when you get that state with wine, it's really unpleasant. So, yeah. Well, and I had already had two really unpleasant experiences with beer. Mm-hmm. And so I think the Mogan David Concord grape is what put me over the edge. And yeah. I was like, I don't want to drink alcohol. It is not a happy thing in my being. My body, my being, it doesn't work well. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. I mean, I, I I was actually heavily into partying when I was in college. And as soon as I got out, I didn't like the way it was making me feel. And for very much the mm-hmm. same reason. So I just... Well, I decided to stop. And I, will, I, I, I even canceled I my friendships. I will say for me, the biggest reason alcohol and me don't get along well is, be, I mean, it doesn't mean I never have a glass of wine or don't ever have anything with alcohol in it, but the moment it hits my brain and I start to feel a slight adjustment, I stop because I'm like, oh, no, I like to be in control <laughs> of yes. all of my functions. Oh, and I yes. don't like, even though I know it loosens you up, I don't like that it loosens me up. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not even sure I like the idea of it being loosened. It's not that you loosen up. It's that you kind of lose some of your your preferences and you just start laying stuff out on the table. And like, no, that's that's not really a party situation. That's more like a, I don't even know what to call it. But let's just say it, it's not the way I intend to do Christmas this year. How about that? And I was going to say that, too. Um, I, I, I'm hoping that every one of us chooses to have the Christmas that makes us feel the most happy and joyful. And that the time that we spend with our families is good. And even if there is drama, you know, if we can look for what's good in the drama and or like you mentioned on yesterday's show, how can we turn it about? Mm. There's always an opportunity. There's always a way to do it. There's always a way to make it feel better. There's always a way to change the dynamic. There's always a way to change the conversation around. You just have to look for it. Absolutely. So if if you're deliberate about the outcome that you're looking for, you know, it is very possible, very doable. Um, if you got a lot of negative momentum going in the wrong direction, it may take another Christmas before the momentum starts to slow down. But, you know, let this be the Christmas that begins to slow down the momentum of the negative, challenging dramas and traumas, you know, of, of Christmas's past and, and start moving towards, you know, a direction that you desire and you hope for absolutely and by the way that doesn't mean i won't be getting into the eggnog i will it just won't have any rum in it so just wanted to stay there 
It is a nice creamy beverage. <laughs> it is. It's wonderful. So uh, with just 45 seconds left, I uh, want to remind people, if you have not yet subscribed, please do subscribe, LOAToday.net. The iPhone, iPhone, iTunes store is a good place. Google Play, that's also a good place. Anyway, just any way that you can find it, just uh, subscribe to LOA Today, and we'd love to have you. And, uh, Wendy, once again, somebody wants some help. How do they reach you? I would love for them to reach me, and they can do so by going to my website, which is at wendydillard.com, and there you can find my phone number and an email address. Wendy, it's been a pleasure as usual. Let's do it again tomorrow. Sounds good to me. We'll see you all tomorrow here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye now. <laughs>